Well, uh, I'm going to continue my talk um, because as I listened to the recording, uh, I realized that um, I was doing a lot of sniffling and man, I, I've been hit so hard with allergies this year. It's been crazy. So I'm going to try to sniffle less. Uh, no promises. I hope you guys can forgive me for that and not not be distracted by the sniffling. I think it kind of stopped um, as we got on into the uh, podcast. But anyway, I want to continue to continue uh, with a part two to my uh, cross active podcast. And I, I didn't post one last week, so be a good chance to get in, in in an extra one and this is probably the first time i've ever done two in one day so the first one i did this morning at about starting at 9 20 and this one's starting at about 5 20 and uh so we'll just see if we can go a little bit deeper into this subject i haven't done a part one and a part two in a long time so this will be interesting so where we left the first podcast uh was in the fact that well, we were talking about Cross Active, a club that that uh, my good friend Pat and I started, uh, and we talked about um, its uh, its uh, goals and, and plans and how uh, how the ideals don't really match the way it's worked out on the ground. Uh, but as I was talking about that, um, not realizing that what I was going to be doing, I was kind of inspired to go back and. Uh, and rethink some of it, and I'm kind of excited about that prospect. Uh, but we left it at, at the the fact that Jesus's cross is what makes beneficial human relationships possible at all, uh, and that and that without without Jesus. <clears throat> Um, and, and I'm even going to say without love. I think it's easier to say without love. I, I believe that anyone that loves is is uh, in the truest sense uh, putting on display that part of their being which is made in the image of God. I think in the beginning we were made quite purely in the image of God, but over over time, uh, through the uh, entrance of sin into our lives, uh, that image has been corrupted, but I think any, anywhere that true love comes to the surface, true sacrificial, uh, what we would call agape or unconditional love, anytime that comes to the surface, I believe that is uh, the essence uh, of the image of God that, that comes forth in our life. Um, and so I would say that anytime true love comes to the surface, and I want to, I want to. Um, make clear that I believe that true love does come to the surface uh, in the lives of people who don't know Jesus and who have never met Jesus. But nonetheless, because they were made in his image, uh, they do at times uh, love well, let's say. Um, and so anytime that, uh, that human beings... Uh, have good relationships or do uh, loving things for each other uh, we we can we can attribute that to number one the image of God in us and number two uh, the cross um, 
and and they're they're one and the same because uh, the Bible talks about how Jesus was the 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 slain lamb since the foundation since before the foundations of the world were laid. In other words, Jesus has, in a sense, always been on the cross. Uh, his character did not change from one thing to another because of the cross. Uh, just the opposite, the cross showed us his true character, the true character that he has always uh, had, but yet we misperce misperceived um, down through the ages. And I, I would say we continue to misperceive his character today. Uh, we attribute all kinds of horrible things to God. Um, and I think many of us would would say that God has a questionable character because uh, we we many of us believe he actually does violence, that that he does hate, that he does get angry, uh, that he has quite a hot temper. Uh, we anthropomorphize all kinds of uh, attributes to God. Um, and uh, so anyway, we ended the last, path, the last passage on that idea that, that the cross uh, is what makes human relationships possible. Um, and what I, what I had said about Cross Active is that I think the, the benefit of that club or even the, the benefit of the ideals on which the club uh, was founded uh, is uh, in the fact that adverse conditions create bonds uh, that struggling through and enduring through and overcoming adversity uh, is a is a relationship building process uh, and and it's a, it's a I would say a, a simplifying relationship process in other words there are certain things that you will overlook in a person uh, when you're trying when you're in survival mode for example uh, you know, let's say that, that uh, in a normal day setting, uh, let, let's, let, uh, let's do a high school classroom. I'm a teacher, so I see a lot of kids and, and a lot of classroom dynamics. You know, in a classroom, man, the smallest thing can, can make kids have um, a bad relationship, can separate kids. Um, the smallest thing can make one kid your friend and another kid, your enemy. I mean, it's a fine line. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, with, with really little kids, even down to your favorite color, if you've got a, a room full of 10 girls and uh, uh, nine of the girls like pink and uh, 10 of the girls like blue and one of the girls likes yellow, well, the girl who likes yellow is gonna feel somewhat ostracized from the ones who like blue or pink, and the ones who like blue and pink are going to feel, uh, in in some way, separated from the others. So, just the you know the color that you like uh, can be a separating factor, right? Now, say in high school, it gets a a little bit more complex. Uh, maybe if if uh, one person is friends with another person, but that friend, uh, but that but that person doesn't like a third person well that means the first person can't like that person either because if they do then they're against the other person and you know all, all kinds of these things come into play in in relationship with kids it's 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 a little bit simplified with the younger people 
gets more, much more complex when we get older. We, we find other ways to separate ourselves. Um, of course, there are sim, there are, you know, simplified reasons as well for adults, say race, uh, age, sex, uh, religion. Um, all of these things can separate us. Um, and there are some, some even childish type things that separate us. For example, what sports team you root for. <laughs> you know, if you root for uh, the football team that is the arch rival to the football team that I like, that can separate you. Uh, now, as adults, I'd like to think uh, that that's less that, you know, we don't allow those things to separate us as much. I'd like to think that, but uh, unfortunately, you know, some adults are pretty childish. Um, but for the most part, I would say, um, at least in a micro setting, uh, I think people, adults, can get along with each other fairly well. There are some factions that are exceptions to this rule. Um, but all of those things, especially the simple things, get thrown out the window uh, when you are trying to survive. Um, <clears throat> you know, you when you when you've got problems with a, a homework, uh, when you can't get the answer to a homework problem, you're not going to call uh, someone that you don't like, even if they're a genius in that subject, to get help to f uh, finding the answer. Uh, you will you will ask somebody uh, else that you, that that you like more probably as a as a student or a young person. However, you know if you're on the side of the mountain and you've slipped and you're holding on by by your fingernails, it doesn't matter who comes by, uh, you you're going to want help. And so th those kind of uh, adverse um, conditions. Uh, bring people together in ways uh, that nothing else will, uh, and and <clears throat> in ways that disregard petty differences that otherwise may have uh, kept us uh, at, at at arm's length. For example, uh, one one of the things that we saw in, uh, in the Daishinsai in the in the relief work uh, was that evangelicals from different um, denominations. <laughs> oh man, I had to get that one yawn out. I've been working on that for the last 10 minutes. Uh, for the last, um, you know, who, who otherwise would not have worked together at all, uh, when it came time to help other people, we were able to come together and forget about the things that, that used to separate us. And we were able to come to the table, work together, uh, and without judging each other, <clears throat> make make very close bonds with each other. Now, granted, some denominations have always been better that better at that than others. Unfortunately, the denomination that I am a part of has always been very sectarian. Uh, in other words, uh, we've been uh, we we've isolated ourselves pretty much from other groups. Um, and maybe I've been uh, involved in especially conservative wings or, or even fundamentalist wings of that denomination. 
but by and large, we had big suspicions on anybody of another denomination. We were very suspicious because we felt like we had uh, our own, um, <clears throat> we felt like we had our, our theology right and the other people's theology was suspect um, or, or, you know, downright wrong and even heretical. Uh, and so when you think that way, then you, you tend not to rub shoulders. And even if you have to rub shoulders, you're not going to talk about religious things, much less worship together. But, you know, when, when, when you're in a situation and tens of thousands of people are dead and billions of dollars of property have, has been damaged uh, and people are in need of blankets and food and shelter uh, and they're, they're, their hearts are broken. There, there, there's depression. There's all kinds of needs out there. When, when this happens, the petty differences that separated us before go out the window. And now we can work together. We can pray together. We can worship together, and we can serve together in ways that would not have been possible without these uh, adverse conditions. Um, uh, a thought I, I had. Uh, in the previous podcast also that I might want to expound upon is that in times of peace, uh, when, when war is not happening, uh, when those kinds of bonds of brotherhood are not being forged, uh, we tend to come up with other ways uh, to bond with our fellow man. Uh, and that, by and large, not, not, um, not exclusively, but by and large, that's been through sport. Uh, we know that the Olympics were, you know, started many, many years ago, thousands of years ago, in Greece, uh, where different Greek city-states would have uh, uh, athletic competitions, for example, running and strength uh, and fighting and things like this competitions. And I think I want to say some of those were actually to the death. Um, uh, Anyway, the, but, but they, were, they were probably only done when, when war was not going on. Right? It, was a way, it was a way for men to, to have their aggression, but it also, uh, in a real way, brings men together in a kind of a brotherhood. I don't think it's as deep as the battlefield. Uh, I think sport is, is much more uh, superficial. <clears throat> Maybe not. I would love to read on this subject, actually. I don't know if it's been uh, talked about much. It's something I want to research. I'm kind of interested in now. Uh, but it seems like when, when war is not an option, we have uh, manufactured uh, adversity. We, we've, we've come up with ways uh, to help. Uh, I, I, I think it's at least in the beginning it was men. Uh, of course, there are many women's athletic competitions now, and perhaps women are just discovering this. And of course, you know, s neither battle nor uh, sport uh, is the only way in which uh, people can bond. Uh, but I think there are two very uh, important ways. Uh, I suppose women probably bonded with each other when the men were off to war. Or, you know, two women who lost their men in battle. 
perhaps uh, helped each other and bonded together um, because of their shared experience. Um, or perhaps women are just naturally better at bonding with each other than men. Uh, that's quite possible. Uh, men need a little bit of uh, aggression and exertion, possibly. Uh, maybe that's just how we bond well. Uh, it'd be interesting to see the relationship with that dynamic to the fall, uh, if there is a relationship indeed. Um, it would be worth worth finding out about. <clears throat> But it's not really something you see in the animal kingdom. You don't see, you know, lions from different prides getting together, making a circle and have their two uh, prize fighters fight it out uh, in the center. You know, it's not something that they do. It's all, it's all about survival with animals. If, if uh, one pride of lions uh, is low on food, then their territory is going to probably uh, expand into the territory of other lions and in the course of, of uh, that territorial shift, there will be battles between lions um, to, to settle that dispute, uh, but it's, a, it's, it's all based on survival, right? And I don't know that two lions who have been in an adverse situation together necessarily bond uh, all that much. I would think that um, they're instinct to survive at all costs might even cause them to do uh, to be violent against their so-called friends or family members sorry my throat's getting a little scratchy so <clears throat> um, yeah I'm not uh, It'd be interesting to, to to do some research on this subject or to find some research on this subject. <clears throat> so I suppose what Christians don't want to do, you know, if we're talking about bringing, helping Christians bond together better, <clears throat> at least here in Japan, I would say that, that, uh, even though we try to ignore it, that the situation is pretty adverse. Uh, um, Christians in Japan, by and large, are entrenched. We are a, a uh, huge minority, or a small minority. I don't know what the <laughs> We are very much a minority, let's put it that way. Uh, you know, 1% or less than 1%. Some people have set up to 6% after the... Uh, Tsunami of 2011. I'm not sure if that's the case. I've, I've seen numbers both ways. But anyway, anywhere from less than 1% to 6% of the population are Christian. And then, you know, inside of that, you have the, you know, Catholic Protestant divide and maybe even Orthodox. Um, you have Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. And then you have the spectrum of evangelical, uh, churches. Um, so, it's not a unified percentage uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I, I wish it was. Uh, I wish that it was unified. I think that would be a wonderfully um, a strong uh, thing to show. But I think better than that, it would reflect uh, the unity that we're supposed to have in the spirit. And it would show that 
that, that, that Jesus truly is in our midst. I think if Jesus were in our midst, um, then we would be unified. So I think that's something we have to look at. Um, perhaps it's pretty scary, but anyway, nonetheless. So, you know, Christians of old, if you take the Christians in the New Testament, you know, they were seeing all kinds of bad stuff from the, um, from just Jesus' death. You know, the, the, the experience that it must have been for the, for the disciples, the 70 or so disciples, uh, who experienced their founder and leader, uh, killed on the cross, uh, that was a traumatic experience for them. Uh, very traumatic. Uh, and, you know, from that point, uh, the, the, you know, there were some ups and downs, but, but, uh, at one point, a, a really strong persecution started that, that began with the, uh, the uh, killing of Stephen. <clears throat> and it says that the church in Jerusalem was scattered. Um, and so they left Jerusalem, most of them, many of them and went uh, throughout the uh, Greco-Roman world and possibly into Asia and all kinds of places. They were scattered because of uh, persecution, that they were being hunted down, prosecuted, and executed uh, at an alarming rate. And I'm sure that that adversity helped some of them bond together. Uh, some of them may, may not have ever recovered from that. It must have been incredibly traumatic. But at the same time, those in the ancient world, especially around this time, the Second Temple Judaism world, it was a much more uh, adverse world every day than, than our world is here in the West uh, and in many countries in the world. You know, then survival was kind of, that was life. You didn't know necessarily where your next meal was coming or whether harvest was going to, uh, help you that year, or <clears throat> whether or not a, a conquering uh, kingdom was going to come and, and enslave you. You know, these kinds of things happened. And so uh, I think the, the people of that, that era were more much more traumatized and accustomed to adverse situations than we are today. Um, uh, so... You know, that was more of the norm then. And I think today, especially in the countries that I have lived in, both America and Japan, I think that's, um, you know, a much less likely kind of scenario for us. Though, there have been traumatic things that have happened. And I wouldn't say it's the norm. <clears throat> we are quite blessed with uh, fairly high security uh, and opportunities um, to make a living and rights and privileges uh, that many in the world uh, at that time, most of the world did not have and many still in the world did not have today. So we're not really used to adversity. I mean, some of the worst, worst, worst adversity we, we get is, uh, you know, a bad comment on Facebook or Twitter, you know, or not enough likes on my post. <laughs> or uh, maybe being uh, overlooked for a promotion. Even though we still have a job, you know, we're traumatized by these kinds of things. Uh, you know, this is why we have something called bullying today. I think, 
I think bullying at one point in the world would have been, you know, that's just what happens in the world. That's how things work. You gotta, you know, you gotta fight or, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're gonna be subdued. You know, it's only two choices and that's, that's the normal way the world works and men were, men and boys were raised to be able to fight and to uh, stand up for themselves and, and, uh, those skills are not needed in this world. <clears throat> and so I think we've become quite soft. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I, I think that's, you know, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful I didn't have to, you know, fight my way uh, into a job or anything like that or, or you know, protect my, uh, my family's uh, uh, home from, from local raiders or anything like that. It's not something that this world calls you to do. Uh, and some con- countries get that. I think Japan is a country that gets that. They understand that violence and, and the ability to protect yourself is not as important a skill today as it once was. Whereas uh, many in America right now, because of the... Uh, uh, you know, you can see it in this last election with all of the gun laws and the, the uh, uh, I, I want to say IRA, but it's not that, the rifle, whatever, uh, the political um, gun lobbyist group. Uh, you see, people want to be able to protect themselves. They want to be able to have guns. They want the, They want to exercise their right to bear arms, and they want to have the biggest, baddest, uh, most dangerous arms possible because if and when danger knocks on their door, they want to be able to blast them into oblivion because that's their right. The truth is, it's a very rare occurrence where somebody has to physically uh, um, protect themselves. Of course, it happens. It happens in Japan, too. But by and large... It's not something that happens. I, for example, in America, I lived there for 26 years. I was never once um, threatened with a knife or a gun, ever. It's not something that happened to me. You know, my right to bear arms for the 26 years that I lived in America was never needed, right? Uh, and on the outside chance that it was needed one time, uh, in my, you know, 80 years or, 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 you know, 80 or more years that I'm on the earth, I don't think it's worth, I don't think my one saved life is worth all the, all the lives that have been lost because the, uh, relatively, uh, easy availability of, of guns and weapons. You know, kids are killing kids on accident. You know, a toddler picks up a gun and kills his brother. You know, or a, or a brother kills a toddler in the family, and you just don't recover from that. You know that that tragedy, uh, just because you wanted on the on the outside chance to be able to protect yourself. You know, there there are many more tragedies that happen because these guns are laying around. Now, I, <clears throat> I'm not against guns. I I enjoy guns for sport. Uh, I am against killing for any reason uh, other humans uh, i'm against uh war 
I'm against the use of lethal force in any situation. Uh, and, you know, I can, I can go in, into that another time. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, I realize I'm probably digressing pretty far. But adverse conditions, here again, uh, is something that brings us together. And if, if Christians were, were truly being and following the example of Christ in their context, I have a feeling that just doing that would be offensive enough that adversity would be more prevalent in the world against Christians. I have a feeling. Um, because because the gospel of Christ is offensive to those who are perishing, right? Uh, it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be not offensive. It's it's supposed to be a threat uh, to evil in this world, and when evil is threatened, it will fight back with violence. That's just the nature of the beast, <laughs> pun intended. Um, uh, but I will say this. I think, I think the, the, um, <clears throat> I think there is value in, uh, pushing yourself physically with a group of people, uh, in order to forge relationships. I think in this modern world, I think that's something we can do. You know, we can climb mountains. Uh, we can run marathons. Um, we can, you know, whatever it is, um, physically, uh, pushing, our, pushing ourselves physically to overcome uh, the things in this world, whether it's a mountain or a river or a lake, um, whatever it is, I think when you do that together, you you do forge relationships that, that tend to last longer and go deeper. You know, as, a, as opposed to two people who like the same color. <laughs> or, or like the same movie. <clears throat> although, although that can also be something that does what, you know, uh, is, is useful. So, you know, I think we should explore whatever, whatever we can in order to get closer to each other, in order to, to have great relationships with each other. And at the end of the day, we need to be looking to the cross for the example, the cross for the example of, of how to, be a good friend or father or husband uh, or co-worker or employee or employer. <clears throat> Just how to be a good human being. Uh, and in so doing and following the example of the cross, uh, we, uh, we start to heal all of the broken relationships in the world. So I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to need to find a Find a, make a phone call. To, I'm not sure if we have food at my house. My wife is off out of town for the evening. and So uh, I will uh, talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. Sorry this is kind of an abrupt finish, but uh, if you've listened to this, go back and listen to the first one, and maybe you will uh, discern some kind of uh, continuity. I hope so. Thanks. Love you guys. Bye-bye.